0: Fox Sports is the home of Australian rugby and this is the official Fox Rugby Podcast with your host, Nick McArdle. Yes, terrific to have your company once again for the Fox Rugby Podcast. Nick McArdle here with Sam Worthington and Christy Doran from foxsports.com.au and certainly looking very much forward to chatting with the great David David Campese, shortly very famous Hard name to say quite clearly. Uh, Gentlemen, uh, welcome to you. Uh, Super Rugby final, done and dusted the season, done and dusted. And was there ever going to be any other result than the one we got in Saturday night?
1: Uh, Probably not. I know we had uh, Sumo on the the show last week and he, both him and Simon Crom, talked up the Lions' chances of... Competing, but it, it, it yeah it did follow the script that most people thought that uh, you know they'd be competitive for a while, but ultimately it'd be a sort of twenty point type margin, and, and so it was so a bit of a shame I guess that the your grand final is such a foregone conclusion, isn't it? And that it's part of the the nature of Super Rugby with the travel demands that the you get home advantage and you're a, a big favourite uh, most of the time.
2: Indeed, good on the couple of punters out there that threw fifteen thousand dollars or whatever it was, quite a large sum on the Crusaders and a huge return. For them after they plummeted, what were they a dollar or eight? Was the odds, do- yeah. Was yeah.
0: it was it that long? I thought it might have been a dollar two or something like that.
2: <laughs> anyway, anyway. Uh, congratulations. Uh, spend your <laughs> your earnings wisely. Uh, look, good on them. They played really well, didn't they? And the Lions had their opportunities right throughout the the match,
1: particularly in the opening twenty minutes. What were they doing? taking shots at goal down, you know, 15 yeah. or so points. I mean, seriously, the commentators were calling them out. You're not going to win the final kicking going in denominations of three. Uh, they, they were going to have to score 30 points or so to beat the Crusaders, and, yeah, that just doesn't cut it. The
0: Lions had a massive crack. It must be said, yes, they, they did play uh, well at times in that match. But the Crusaders, the key things that the Lions had been standouts at uh, throughout the season, obviously... Uh, scoring tries from from malls, uh, and that was completely closed down by the Crusaders. They'd obviously done their homework there. and they managed well, they'd to, listened to Simon Cron. They had. They had. They, they, he described what was going <laughs> to happen class. at the line-out. It went
1: over <laughs> our heads a touch, <laughs> but I think the Crusaders knew what was <laughs> yeah, going on. Yeah, exactly
0: right. And, and um, managed to negate the influence of Malcolm Marks and Quagga Smith at the breakdown, and um, and that was it. That was all, all she wrote. It was It was really clever uh, preparation, obviously, by the Crusaders.
1: Yeah. It's the old method of, you know, go to the heart of your opposition's game plan and, and take that out. And, uh, yeah, Warren Whiteley, the Lions captain afterwards, was just kind of completely bewildered as to how they, they, they tried everything, you know, attacking the more the from all different pressure points and the Crusaders had an answer for it. So, yeah, uh, they've they just got all bases covered and uh, quite rightly are the champions. Yeah, their defence was just
2: outstanding. It was the catalyst right throughout the... Season for the well, the last two years they've, they've built it on the back of that, and it was brilliant. Now, what was the percentage of ball that the the, the, the Lions had?
1: Yeah, well, about seventy territory yeah, seven and possession, yeah. roughly, wasn't it? So yeah, it shows you don't need the ball to win, and um, yeah, you, you wouldn't say the Crusaders had forward dominance necessarily, but you, you can actually control the game even if you're out of possession, and they they showed that, didn't they?
2: There's and- no doubt though that. Richie Mwanga, If you compare the battle of the, the two tens, Richie Mwanga easily won that once again. Uh, Yanties, It was a good on. An Angus Gardner. Shout, early shout out, to Angus Gardner, who had a cracking uh, match with the whistle. But if you if you roll on, what was it, about twenty minutes into the match, where a long booming kick just fell centimetres, millimetres short of the the try line of of the Lions, and Elton Yanties brings the ball back, and and the Crusaders get a five metre scrum from that. That was a big. Moment of the match, and and one that yet again showed that Yanty's in a big situation has a few of these flaky moments.
1: Yeah, and uh, loyal podcast listener Steve Linthall uh, sums it up quite well as well. Uh, said Elton Yanty, you can it's like his haircut. You can see what he's trying to do, but there's just pieces missing. So that, <laughs> I mean, that was uh, that was pretty sharp no, for Steve. A,
0: it's a good haircut. <laughs> It'll be even better when it's finished. So um, no, no, <laughs> that's that's fine. Um, congratulations to the Crusaders uh, who had. Um, one player, I think it was, named in uh, Sanzar's Super Rugby Team of the Year. So well done to George Bridge, I think it was.
2: Yeah, and, and he didn't even get a look in the All, all Blacks squad. That's how wow.
1: much depth New Zealand rugby has. Yeah, they've, they've taken a bit of a pounding um, Super Rugby for that team, but it must be said, uh, we'll put our own hands up, the the Fox Sports Lab team also only had one Crusader. I think Matt Todd um, made that squad. So it is just an indication of the, their, their squad depth and uh, they're not necessarily um, an individual you know, run up the run up the stats type team, they just all all chip in and do their jobs.
2: Yep, yeah, bang on, bang on. And uh but if if you if, if, if you were to run through who you think is as a general punter, you'd have to say that there'd be at least half a dozen of those guys in there and, and yeah. they will be rewarded with selection with your backs. So they won't care whatsoever the Crusaders players.
0: So what about uh <laughs> throughout the year, uh, now that the the season is over and done with who was your standout player? Who was your your best player in Super Rugby in 2018?
1: Yeah, I think we did these for the website uh, a few days ago. And oh, is this uh, not an
0: original idea that I've come up
1: with? No, well, no. Christie's no. put you uh, put you under the pump there, but right. uh, I think yeah, Malcolm Marks, If he if he hadn't missed so many games with his uh, with his injury, I think he'd be the guy. But you probably have to go just Sam Whitelock. He, he fronts up all the time. He, he's a very boring interview, it must be said. Um, but, he, oh. but he, but he, it's <laughs> not very nice. Well, he is. He's just in, he's incredibly dull. I'm sure he doesn't uh, doesn't have any aspirations to to be anything other than that. But um, yeah, on the on the field, he gets the job done. On on the Front, field, he, uh, Sam, uh,
0: Sam, if you are listening, <laughs> um, apologies uh, from. On behalf of all of us here at Fox Sports, yeah. um, it's certainly not my opinion. I don't I, think it's Christie's
1: either. But even by the standards of uh, dull post-match interviews, he's, <laughs> he's right up there. I'd say so. Um, <laughs> but but he's he's a hell of a captain. That's the main thing. Uh,
2: uh, yeah, okay.
1: I, controversial.
2: I think what what, do, what do a lot of people put at the end of their twitters like uh, view, my views aren't the company's or whatever. Uh, I think that summed it up there, Sam. Um, <laughs> I will. I'm gonna. <coughs> The the Crusaders, the Hurricanes, there's been a lot of good players throughout the year. I'm going to go Taniela Tupo from the Reds, who I just thought was a a huge improvement on last year. We all know how destructive he is, ball carrying and... And putting people on their backsides, but from a scrummaging perspective, he's improved leaps and bounds. So uh, good on him, and hopefully he has a, a good blood to those series too.
0: What about uh, what about a uh,
2: what about you, Nick? Yeah, Come on,
0: oh, I hadn't really thought about it. Bowden Barrett, maybe? Oh, is that too no. easy? No, it's not, no, is no, it? No, oh, no. No. I don't know. Yeah.
2: Well, we've put you on
0: the spot. You have put me on the spot. I, not, I thought I was asking. I didn't know that I had to come up with. Uh,
2: come back to us. Throughout the, all right, I'll, I'll
0: have a think about it. I'll come back to you. Um, what, about, uh, what about a breakout, a breakthrough player of the year? Now, Jordan Patea. There you go. There's one to, to throw yes. up pretty early on. And uh, I think that's going to be the start of a, a special career. And we haven't seen much of him, I know, in 2018, but certainly comes out of it uh, looking or smelling like roses in terms of his
1: future. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with Will Miller, the, who's the great story at the Waratahs. Yep. Um, filled in v- more than admirably when Michael Hooper went down and he was playing well out of position before that uh, at blindside, which which is not really his his go. So, yeah, I think people will probably say he might be a little bit undersized to play test rugby, but uh, I, I hope he is considered going forward because he's a yeah, wonderful um, over the ball, a good good support player as well and just uh, yeah, a really tenacious, uh, great team man by the looks of it. Uh I I
2: like the look of uh Jante. how do you pronounce this from Junchy. From from the Lions. Yeah. Uh breakout season for him for sure, but for me someone who from an Australian perspective I've been very impressed with all year's been Tom Robinson, who's someone who I thought in the last couple of years Rob Robert, Robertson. 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 Yep. Hasn't been actually cutting the mustard, but I think this year he's been he's been re- really, really strong and he's putting a lot of pressure on Scott Sea to start for the wallabies. Mm-hmm.
0: Terrific. Not, you know, like any any comment on how he interviews after a game or, you know, like, is, are you happy with his post-match interview?
2: He's, he's pretty strong, actually. Yeah. Uh, he's been helped out by the, 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 the side of his head at the
1: moment. The cauliflower ears have thrust him into the media spotlight. Yeah, he's a media, he's media a darling. Mm. Mm. Based on his cauliflower ear. Yeah.
0: Excellent. Now, just before we get to uh, David Campisi, who will be joining us shortly, a um, bit of... Super rugby news for Australian teams and I want to begin in Melbourne with the Rebels and this announcement uh, that in the wake of a couple of off-field incidents at the end of the season they've announced a, a review into their culture. What did you make of that?
1: Yeah, it's clearly is necessary like it's pretty disastrous news to have those uh, two very ugly incidents, one in New Zealand, one down in Melbourne. Um clearly wasn't isolated as well that there had been um, some some mischief over in south Africa as well and and uh yeah in, in an interview with the the herald Sun, um, Baden Stevenson, the rebels chief executive was very uh, open about um, about the issues and, and they 're now tackling it head on which is the only way to do it so it 's a very high powered uh, sort of committee that they 've assembled to to go into this and um, I mean the reality is most most of the players at the you know the club are probably good guys and largely doing the right thing but uh clearly to become a finals team a, a genuine high performance team they need to clean up their act uh, even even further so yeah good on them it's it's necessary and, and they're doing it
2: yeah, I suppose the, the we we had heard of these little rumors throughout the year that the rebels once or twice in South Africa that there had been a few scuffles but it's it's a big thing to make that allegation unless you have hard evidence and so forth. But the rebels throughout their history there's been a number of these instances where even uh Kirtley Bill going back a, a few years ago there was other players involved. So Yeah,
0: I'm not it, sure you could. I'm not sure you can link uh yes i mean factually yes that that's absolutely correct but are you are you drawing a link between what might have happened with you know a curtly beale or a danny cipriani you know four or five years ago to to what's happening now is that, I, do think, feel I, th- that I think think you can a link there?
2: I think you can in the sense that they haven't necessarily had stable leadership there for a long time where this is ingrained into a club you don't see the crusaders uh, or championship clubs getting themselves involved in these sorts of he- headlines so uh, the fact that the, they've had new CEOs they've had new general managers they've had new coaches um they've been right towards the bottom of the, the Super Rugby ladder for a long time. So, yeah, I think it comes at a, at a, as a good time. Dave Vessels, we all know, is an outstanding individual and as a coach, is someone on the rise, uh, this is going to be a good opportunity for them to draw a line in the sand and, and hopefully move forward.
0: The most disturbing thing for me out of this, and I, and I think that this will be a topic of discussion uh, in that review, was that the incident involving Amenaki Murphy in South Africa was swept under the carpet. Um, by, by team management uh, on deck at the time. And my understanding is there was an attempt to do similar with the incident in New Zealand before mm-hmm. Lepetti Tamani and his family said, absolutely not. This is a police matter and we want to pursue this. So on both occasions there was this attempt to kind of, you know, yep. don't worry about it, you know, we'll look after it internally and, and, and that approach. And um, and I think that that's something that ha- has to be fixed to realise that that is not OK and that uh, that these issues have to be dealt with
2: for sure. Yeah. I think. Lastly, I think the, the whole idea of the captaincy as well. Adam Coleman, clearly first year captain at the club. Uh, you look at and once again drawing back on the Crusaders and the captains that they've had there. They've would have only had a couple in the last ten years. The Rebels though have had a lot. They've typically left. They haven't really had leadership plans, and even guys like Will Genia, who missed the back end of the season, one of their most experienced players, not being there uh, right throughout, setting the example. That's certainly something that a young club needs to get right. Yeah,
0: I think I think we've acknowledged that uh, that their season would have looked a whole lot different if some senior players, Dane Petty, Adam Coleman, Will Genia, uh, had have been a, a little uh, less injured, a little more injury free. Um, their season could have looked a whole lot different on and off the field mm. uh, in hindsight.
1: Yeah, and Baden Stevenson wasn't making excuses, but he pointed out the fact that uh, you know they didn't have a, a normal. Off season, I guess, with all the force guys going over there, Dave Vessels, it was all a bit rushed and, you know, they had to get straight out into the training paddock and, and running kilometres rather than, you know, working to set their, their standards, um, on a more genuine basis. So, yeah, I think that that's clearly going to be the, the focal point, uh, now and they've got a bit of time, a bit of breathing room to, to do this review and, and hopefully draw some lines in the sand and, 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 you know, start turning themselves into the high performance club that they've on paper got the potential to be now.
0: So from Melbourne, let's head to Brisbane and um, there seems to have been a bit of paper talk, a, a few rumours that uh, that Samu Karevi uh, might be looking to to head south to, to Canberra and even that rumour around too that Luka Antui might have been looking to uh, to make his way out of the Reds. Um, Luca Antui though, the Reds say, is contracted for another two years so he will be there until the end of 2020 so they're doesn't seem to be too many legs in that. Um, what's the latest on Samu Karebi?
2: Yes, yeah, so I believe I don't, I don't, those rumours with with Summer Karevi that were first reported in the Telegraph last week, linking him to a move to the Brumbies. I don't think they were just rumours; they were they were serious. Uh, Summer Karevii certainly thinking about moving at some stage. He is off contract, so he, unlike Luke Antuhi, unlike Isai Parisi, uh, can, can leave. From my understanding, and, and and we've just written this, the the Kerevi will. Look to draw uh, to sign a, a one-year deal at some stage with the with the Reds, uh, but is certainly leaving open the possibility of joining to the Brumbies. He's met with some officials down there and was really positive. Uh, came out of there being very positive, and and I think even went as far as saying that if he was to leave the Reds, then it would be the Brumbies that he does join. Uh, I think for, for a couple of things with the the Reds, he's a very loyal person. He's been part of that leadership group for a long... or well, for two years. He only made his debut back in 2014. He's a 24-year-old. So he uh, spent... He's grown up in Brisbane since moving over here to Australia. Uh, so there's a lot of reason for him to stay. But um, I think once some cash is freed up as well. Uh, we all know that Carmichael Hunt, Quade Cooper, is still on the books, that once the cash is freed up post-2019, the Reds will be in a much better position to sign him long-term if indeed he does decide to stay.
1: It's always hard to know um, just how... whether the player is genuinely a bit unhappy or if the manager is just trying to bump, get a bit of leverage going and bump up the, uh, the asking price. It would really surprise me if he did move um, and it would be disastrous for the Reds to lose him. I mean, let's face it, mm. the, they've got a very exciting forward pack... But but the, the back line lacking strike power, and that would be an absolute disaster if he was to go, I think. So it sounds like, uh, yeah, as, as you've reported, one more season. Um, and, but but clearly, you know, the the senior players, the James Slippers, Quade Cooper, Carmichael Hunt, um, the, the situation that they're in, they're very close to all the, the current players, and, um, you know, the, the, there still is some friction there um, amongst the playing group, I think.
0: There is so much, though, to be excited about with, with the Reds uh, out of the back of 2018, I think. And, you know, I, I mentioned Jordan Pettaya, earlier um so maybe you know the likes of Izzy Parisi are thinking well oh, hang on this guy this guy's you know breathing down my neck uh he's he's causing me some problems you know maybe that's a reason that Isaiah wants to get out as well but um but in terms of you know the upside over the next couple of years there's there's a lot to like about the Reds and you know maybe the likes of Samu Karevi might get through halfway through next season and think well I don't want to go anywhere there's something special happening here
1: yeah, and it'd be, it'd be a strange fit, to be honest, at the Brumbies as well. I know he's very close to, to Vita Kurandrani, but I, I don't know if that's the the ideal, you know, partnership. Well, the um, Wallabies
2: have tried it, to be fair.
1: Exactly, yeah. I mean, they're, they're kind of similar players, obviously, power runners. Um, so, yeah, the whole thing would be... Uh, a bit strange to me. so it, I th-
0: it doesn't fit with the game that Dan McKellar is wanting to play that's and that right, we saw yeah. from them late in the season.
1: Flinging it around into, mm. into space a bit more. So, yeah, it look, it looks like he is going to stick around for another season. I think that's probably a good result for Australian rugby in, in the broader context.
2: Yeah, for sure. But yeah, back to your point about the Reds is looking looking strong going forward, no doubt that a lot of the guys that have come through the twenty in Munderbrad, Thorne, remain there, particularly in the forward pack. And you go through it, like these brought in the Smith brothers who were fantastic additions and had great seasons for the Reds after uh, previously turning out for the Force and for the Brumbies for a couple of seasons as well. But you look at Panga Mosa, who wasn't even discovered a, a year ago. Brad Thorne turned him into a, a wallaby in the space of a season. Taniela Tupo, uh, you look through the locks and, and Isaac Rodder, Luke Antui, Harry Hawkins, Angus mm. Blythe. and Caleb Timu at the back. Timu, yeah. Angus Scott Young, Liam Wright, Adam Korcheck. There There is a, a huge amount of potential throughout that season. And, and already, you look at the scrum, you look at the line-out, those guys were, were dominating... The, the set piece within Australian rugby particularly, with another 12 months under their belts, they're going to be a formidable forward pack. The big question is, and they've got some great young prospects particularly in the outside backs, but do they have enough at 10? We know that they've got some good, exciting young halfbacks in Tate McDermott and in Moses Serevi particularly. Serevi, yeah. but but whether or not Hamish Stewart, who's only 20 who's had less than a, a season starting at, at 10, can guide a team around like that is the million dollar question. It, they would be certainly looking for someone like a, a Mike Harris to return who could potentially fill that mental role at 10 but could also play full back because at this current stage they haven't signed resigned uh, Aidan Toa. They don't uh, we know John O'Lance has departed so they're certainly looking for another 10 15 but I don't think there's going to be any big big name signings anytime soon anyway.
0: Mm, interesting. Hey um let's catch up with David Campesy. You're listening to the Fox Rugby Podcast. David Campese, welcome and thank you very much for joining us on the Fox Rugby Podcast.
3: Uh, It's a pleasure, guys. Pleasure to be here.
0: Now, you're uh, back home in Australia after how long in South Africa, Camper?
3: Yeah, I think it was about seven years. I went over in 2005 and I was the shark skills coach for three years, um... Came back in 2009, um, came back, had a shop at the Rocks, uh, 2011, I think it was, I was working at uh, City University to do a sevens program, um, and then that year, 2011, after the Rugby World Cup, uh, went back to South Africa and came back, uh, January this year.
2: Campo, what's actually brought you home?
3: Well, mate, I don't know, well, there's a lot of talk, obviously, about the political situation in South Africa, and, um... Uh, we were caught. My wife, Lara, is uh, originally from Zimbabwe. So she got caught in a bit of a protest. And uh, she said, well, I've had enough of this. Uh, been through Mugabe, now going through what's happening there. So it was sort of political. And obviously, if our kids, we got Sienna uh, 13, uh, Jason 11, and Mercedes 7. We thought it's time to come home and try and get them into the sporting sort of circles.
1: And you've set up camp out barrel Way. What's uh, what's the attraction there? Mate? Bit what's of red red wine part of the world.
3: Yeah, well, it was very nice. We we looked at uh, obviously we used to live in Sydney in Dromine. We sold a house many years ago. Um, <clears throat> coming back, we tried to find think about schools, good boys' school and good girls' school close together in Sydney, without travelling miles in that beautiful overpopulated Sydney, which no one believes it is. And we thought, well. <laughs> You know, we looked at Barrel. Uh, we almost bought here probably five or six years ago. So we came back and looked down and found Frenchham for Siena, which is a good girls' school, and Tudor House, which is a, um, a feeder system. the Kings. So Jason and they take girls. So Mercedes, so it's ten minutes from both schools for us. So it makes it a lot easier to travel.
0: And uh, and in in a very uh, a very positive move for for rugby in this country, you've you've teamed up with the classic Wallabies, and you are having an influence at the grassroots level, which is uh, tremendous to have you back involved in the game in Australia. How are you finding that? And and just explain to us what that involvement is.
3: Yeah, well, I decided to open up the David Campese uh, Rugby Academy um, in the purpose of trying to uh, go around and and really. Coach the coaches. Um, after, obviously, living overseas, most of my work was done in uh, the Bill McLaren Foundation in Scotland. I went to, to Kenya with the Australian government, did some coaching there for the Sevens teams. I uh, went to England. I go to Ireland, Scotland, Wales every year to watch the Wallabies. Uh, coach there, talk to fans, uh, do a lot of clubs. And I think a lot of them were very sort of annoyed, not annoyed, but uh, disappointed in the way the game's gone. Uh, they think that the flares gotten out of the game and, you know, these big guys just run into each other. So, um, obviously, coming back, uh, using my experience um, to go around coaching, you know, under six coaches uh, whose dads probably have never played the game, uh, don't know much about the game, and try to give them the skills. So, when they go out and coach, that they uh, can do the simple, basic catch-pass. So, that was the purpose. Um, And I thought coming home... Be great to work with this uh, Rugby Australia, uh, the classic Wallabies with Stephen Hoyles, uh, the Rugby Foundation with Peter Murphy and Co. And so far today, that's been uh, fantastic. I've trapped, did a few uh, kilometres so far, but uh, it's very, very enjoyable. And obviously, Nick, um, I went to Linfield where his son was, and uh, I think that uh, it opened up a few, um, a few eyes uh, um, for himself to see that uh, we have a problem where. A lot of the kids don't watch the game, and they haven't got a, a star to watch and to learn from.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I just want to pick up on that, Camper. That—that that was when you did visit um, my junior club, and and that was one of the things that I was really left with. And I've I've mentioned it to a few people, and and that being that, you know, you said to the kids, you've got to have a hero and you've got to worship that hero and you've got to wanna to play like that hero and whether that be Israel Folau or Michael Hooper or you know or Jordan Patea, a young kid that we're talking about, or, or Tanya Tupo, whoever it might be. And you said to the kids, so who's your hero? And I was I was really uh A surprised and and B disturbed that a lot of those kids couldn't name one. And I wonder whether that's you know, my little bloke loves playing Fortnite. He gets home and he, you know, he gets on, gets on the, the PS4 and wants to play Fortnite. Do you, do you think that there's a bit of that, that there's just so much out there for kids now that, uh, that they don't have the heroes like we all did uh, growing up in, in all sorts of sports? We had heroes, guys that we wanted to be. Yeah,
3: but also I think, Nick, it has changed. I mean, when I, uh, when I was a young kid, we spent more time outside because there was no such thing as uh, video games or Xboxes or whatever it is. We were outside playing. Um, I, I did a sleep out on Sunday night at the Greg uh, Chapel Foundation for homeless people and I met uh, Mitchell Stark, uh, Stevie Mortimer and I used to watch uh, Stevie Mortimer play for the Bulldogs in Australia. Um, obviously I trained in Canberra when Mal Meninga was down there for the, for the Raiders, uh, Ron Gitto, Matt Gitto's old man. I was a ball boy. So that was part of growing up in Australia but now... Things are different, you know. And uh, as you mentioned, your son's more interested in watching videos and all that. And when it comes to playing sports, you know, one of the big things don't get annoyed. I think the parents as well. The parents are not as enthusiastic as they used to be. It's like, oh, five hours of cricket, really? Can't you do another? Can't you do another sports? You know, yeah. they it's there's time now, so it, there is a problem with the, the parents are. are to blame sometimes because they're working seven days a week, you know, so they're the kids are at home, they're left alone, not sure what to do. You know, I'm not saying everybody, but you know, I've just noticed when I've gone around that um, obviously the parents know who I am, uh, but the kids, you know, still very, very young, but you know, but even their skill factor is very, is very poor. Where catch pass, I've done catch pass, the drill, drills I do is what I did when I played for the Wallabies, so it's not difficult, but. Uh, 99% of the kids I've seen cannot catch and pass, even in first, first team. So, so you start to think, well, that's not great because there's 16, 17, then you go into the under 18s. then you've got uh, club rugby, state rugby, then wallabies. So we are well behind the eight ball if you look at the way, for example, the Kiwis, which is a religion, uh, they've got a great culture. And that's the other thing we've got to look at. We've lost our culture why do we play for the Wallabies? Why? Because I bet you if you ask 95% of the Wallabies who play now, when was the first Test match between Australia and New Zealand? I bet you they can't tell you.
2: Well, I think there'd be probably a couple of us that might, might struggle. With- well, it's, it's an interesting thing, though,
0: Camper, what you're saying, because I know that um, when Steve Waugh came in, and Steve Waugh was a, a cricket nuffy, and he actually introduced... Back into the Australian cricket team, that love of history, and 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 they'd all talk about it, and they all got on board. And obviously, you know, he he um, mythologised really the the the, uh, the, the baggy green. green. Um, it's interesting that maybe it maybe it takes the drive from within to change that that culture, so that yes, uh, the current day players get back on board with that uh, with that historical piece as well.
3: Yeah, look, it is very hard because if you look at the What's the eldest player in the Wallabies at the moment? Twenty-eight.
2: Probably Peter sure. now. He's thirty-three, I think. But yeah, there's there's not many of the experienced campaigners left. Yeah.
3: So what happens is, you know, it's driven by the elder players, the elder statesmen. They're the ones who who ask for authority, who people look up to. I mean, I was lucky. I played in an era where, you know, we had a lot of uh, when I first went into tour. You know, eighty-two. Or Grand Slam 84, you know, we had Steve Williams, you had Roger Gould, Michael Hawker, Stan Polecki You had guys that had been around for a long time for the Wallabies. So as a young kid, you know, you looked up to those guys for leadership. Now, there's a lot of younger guys, you know, and I think sometimes, you know, they're allowed to do a certain amount of things uh, and get away with. I know Michael Checker, uh, very well, obviously, playing at Randwick. And he loves that tradition. He loves bringing that back and trying to get that culture. But then you go back to your provincial sides and again it's very young. You know, a lot of those teams have got very young players who are playing, you know, against the Kiwi teams and the South Africans week in, week out with a lot of older guys. And it's just the way the game's gone. You know, I think that's up to the players to really want to, you know, make themselves known, um, and also lead by example. And uh, in there that's They've got to understand you know we at home we we love rugby we 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 played the game and we still watch the game and we want them to do well so when they make a mistake be annoyed you know don't just look at the big tv cameras every five minutes it's my pet hates on tv when someone does something they will look at themselves on the big screen <laughs> yes it, you know you'd probably say get on with it make a mistake and say Shit, that really annoys me i won't do it again you know have a bit of pride because Whatever you guys do in the field, all the young guys see that. So if you do something, they'll go and and try it. And, uh, you know, we have got some great players there. It's just really starting to lead by example and actually start to understand why you are a Wallaby and where we've come from. And I think that's something that we probably are missing a bit.
1: In terms of uh, paying homage to the to the past greats, though, Camp, I have been encouraged by the fact there's been a couple of goose steps um, in recent times, including Janshi from the Lions pulled out an absolute cracker. Um, have you, you enjoyed watching those, yeah, mate, it is. I mean, I should
3: have bloody patented years ago. I'd be able <laughs> to here, would
1: I? <laughs> exactly right. But in, in a in a broader in a broader sense, what what have you made of of Australian Super Rugby teams this season?
3: Yeah, look, as I said, very young guys. Um, the competition is, is a bit of a mess. Uh, you know, it is very difficult for the Waratahs to get to that situation. But again, the week before, if they beat the Brumbies, they wouldn't have been in that situation. So, you know what I mean? I mean, it, you've got to win every game. You've got to have a lot of pride. And, and you know, it doesn't matter who you're playing. You play your best week in, week out. Um, look, a lot of young guys coming through, which is great. Um, and I think it's given Michael Checker a few headaches, which is great. You know, it's fantastic that we've got a lot of... Younger guys coming through um, and putting the pressure on the uh, the guys, the, the the Test 15, and obviously the trial last week. I mean, we should be doing more of that. So the younger, so the supporters can actually see the young guys coming through um, and say, jeez, I actually like that guy. I like that Banks. Jeez, he's a good player, isn't he? I'm going to watch him." So that's what happens. That's how you learn, you know. And to make to expose them more to when we do coaching clinics, and I saw on. Uh, uh, Twitter, I think, is uh, the Wallabies up in camp up at Cessnock. The photos with all the kids is absolutely amazing. Yep. But why do they do it once off? We should be doing it every week, you know? Um, wherever I've gone, you know, if you had a Quade Cooper in Queensland, I'll do the coach and he can do the side. I don't really care, but they all know Quade. They want to be like Quade. They want to touch him. That's what we need more of. We need more of this: the plays to get out and about, and then the kids react. And once you touch it, once you touch one of those players, you've got that kid for life, and that's where we really need to go. The Super Rugby sides; the more they play, the more they win, the more they enjoy doing it as well. Obviously, the results are going to happen.
2: Campo, just before we we get to the Bledisloe, uh, you mentioned Tom Banks just before. Is he the, the sort of guy that you you think could come into that equation for for Michael Checker's team?
3: Well, look, you know, I look at the, the scenario is that if you've got. Um, for example, in the Wallaby side, you had Kirtley Beale at 12, for example. Um, then you had really guys that you know weren't bad players around him. The opposition realised there's one dangerous player, so let's attack him. Now, if you had, for example, uh, five dangerous players in the back line, I would put Falau at 13. Um, you've got uh, Tamua come back as well. Um, then you've got uh, Banks. Uh, you've got uh, Halapenny. You know, you've got guys now that's actually a good place, and all of a sudden you've got five or six dangerous backline players. The opposition are going to really struggle in defence because now they've got to watch six dangerous players, not one. Um, and I saw that uh, Kevin Lianamu come out and said the, worry, the only person to worry about for the Wallabies is Kirtley Beale. Mm. So can, we, can you imagine? We played, I played in backlines like Far Jones, Ella, Liner, Slack, Horan, Liddles. Um, Roger Goulds, we had, you know, five or six dangerous players, and that we caused havoc. That's the way we played. But we've gone away from that, you know. There's a lot of this hit-up rugby. We can't play the style of rugby the All Blacks want us to play now. We've got to reinvent ourselves, and I'm sure I've seen Michael Checker trainer. trainer, He's trying to get these guys to understand there is space out there. You've got to look for the space. You've got to start communicating. Put the ball in the space. Run in there. Try different things. So if we have one dangerous play, it's not going to work. If we've got five, then we've got some great opportunities that way.
1: Yeah, and, and as you said, Kirtley Beal certainly uh, it's crucial to making that all work. Uh, Steve Hansen, the All Blacks coach, uh, raised a few eyebrows and probably got a few people falling off their chairs with laughter this week when he declared the Wallabies' favourites for the the Bledisloe Cup. I, I think most people uh, realise that's, that's a bit of a wind-up, but but what chance do they have to actually uh, to bring that, bi- that big cup uh, home this year, Campo? Yeah, look, it's not easy. I mean,
3: the All Blacks, uh, you know, y- you. You can't worry about what people say. If you worry about people say off the ground, off the paddock, I mean, don't worry about it. Don't turn up. I mean, that's the way they are. I mean, they're the best team in the world for a reason. So what we've got to do, we've just got to be smarter. Don't give them the ball. <laughs> that's a very simple thing. But don't... If we're going to kick, kick it where it's a 50-50 kick. Kick it where we can get it back. Don't just kick it away for the sake of kicking it away. But also, we are playing in Sydney. And remember, we're one up already. So, if we win this test then the All Blacks are in a bit of trouble because then it's New Zealand, then the third one's in Tokyo. So it's a neutral ground. Anything could happen. So really, the pressure is on the All Blacks for this first test. I think he's just trying to laugh it off because he doesn't realise people realise we are one up already because we won the last test last year. So, hey, one more test away and then a bit of pressure, eh?
2: Certainly, certainly. Well, just before we go, let you go, David, what, what's your, uh, your biggest and your favourite Bledisloe memory?
3: Well, look, there's been a lot. Um, we, I think I played 29 times, 1-9, not a lot. Um, so <laughs> um, I think 86, third test in, um, in Auckland, the last time we beat him at Auckland, it was in 86. Um, and then obviously the Bledisloe Cup in Sydney in uh, 91 where we beat them 24-15, I think it was, uh, the year of the World Cup. Two weeks later, they beat us 6-3. And out of all the tests I played, the All Blacks, going to the World Cup, I knew we would beat the All Blacks because I knew their time was up and we would beat them in the World Cup pretty easily. So, in 91. So, look, there's a couple of great wins there. But again, you know when you've uh, worked hard when you beat the All Blacks, that you deserve to beat them. So, I just hope these guys just start believing themselves. Look, there's 15 guys against 15. Just work as a team, keep the mistakes down, and just believe in your ability.
0: Win the big moments. That's the key, isn't it? Hey, Campo, we're going to have to get you in at some stage uh, because it is uh, such a good chat every time we catch up with you. Really appreciate your time today on the Fox Rugby Podcast.
3: No worries, guys. Thanks for the time. appreciate it.
0: I love the passion that David Campese brings to uh, any rugby conversation. It's great for the game to have him back in the country. So uh, a rare weekend off this weekend. No rugby in terms of super rugby or or test rugby. We're on the brink of the the test season. A lot of club rugby, of course, going on around the country. How are you going to spend your weekend off, Christy?
2: Ah, uh, good question. I think I've uh, we, got a big table tennis competition actually on Saturday. <laughs> Saturday with a, a bunch of friends, the the TBTFA, which is the Trolley Bay Table Tennis
1: Federation. Of a Australia. man of many talents, incredible. Well, no, no, no. It's it's <laughs>
0: happening. There's been no suggestion of any talent involved. It's it's on clearly. But
2: yeah, Saturday I afternoon. I think there's a
0: giant leap from something actually occurring to talent.
1: Trying to be involved. positive, Nick. Jeez. Right.
2: Look, I, th- I, th- I think you'd be surprised. I'm looking forward to showing you some highlights at some stage. So, oh, um,
1: yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them.
2: Yeah, a couple of drinks as well. It should be good.
1: Yes. Yeah, mine's far more boring, unfortunately. Uh, guy's got a new housemate moving in. We're probably going to have to do a bit of a spring clean of the house, make sure it's all, all speck and span. But yeah, may, may uh, get out for a drink or two along the way.
0: Right. That, that makes my... Weekend of quite exciting. Taxi driver look look very exciting,
2: yeah, in, Indeed. So, a couple of exciting things to look forward to, though. James Hall will, former Wallabies captain, and playing over in Harlequins, I think, joining us next week, hopefully. Uh, and just a couple of shout outs one to Dave Vessels, who's got his citizenship coming, Congratulations, coming through. Congratulations, yeah. So, that's great. And uh, a, a person pretty close to our Fox Studios, Richard Toms, uh, who's just, just recently over, over the weekend had a horrific injury and is uh, hopefully in good spirits, the, fo- the former Wallaby, of course, and hopefully a, a quick recovery too. Yeah, so.
0: a spinal injury, and uh, he's in hospital in Sydney and uh, wishing him and, and his family all the best. Uh, gentlemen, enjoy your weekend off, and uh, we will catch up next week for another Fox Rugby podcast.